Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Jay here for Stretford Paddock and this is the Tier 1 Transfer Podcast. Joining me as always is my co-host Ronaldo Brown. Ronaldo, how are we doing? <laughs> I'm doing alright. As I said, every time that we win, I'm doing alright. Yeah, he's got a <laughs> smile on his face. There's something that's going right. No, um, but... Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you there. But coming up, we've got an interview with Paul Hurst from The Times. He's going to be giving us the latest on Jadon Sancho and Manchester United's other transfer targets. Because believe it or not, we actually do have other targets than Jadon Sancho. But before that, you've been looking at some of the other Tier 1 transfer news. And what have you got for us? Well, obviously the most recent one, you slightly mentioned this morning, was what Romano has said about the current Sancho proceedings which are the ongoing, 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 ongoing proceedings. It never ends, But um, Saying that, the issue is, we know that there's obviously a bit of a disagreement or like a disparity in, in where they want the deals done between United and Dortmund. And obviously Romano's been on the book saying how Zork has mentioned, I'm going to call him Zork. So that's the, the sport, that's the sporting director, sporting director right? Yeah, Michael Zork. Dortmund has said that United aren't happy with the fact that it's not... There's been a third-party agent involved, um, Stephen Nixchander's brother, which is very odd. We only found out this this morning. Um, United would much rather have liked the deal being direct from United to Dortmund, and um, that's been one of the many stumbling blocks along the way, over in the view, uh, um, regardless of the fee, which has obviously been the problem as well, with um, Dortmund wanting more money than United are willing to pay straight up. Um, but... As for the deadline that they also had, um, Romano said that the deadline might not mean all too much. It might, which from our own way, I'm not going to say Romano said it, we're suggesting that there might be a little bit of a brinkmanship and um, a bit of propaganda in terms of um, just the negotiating process. But that's the, where we're pretty much at with the Sancho thing. He's back in training as well. And um, as of now, Dortmund are planning ahead with him. But... What is your take on it all? I know you've got many. Well, I mean, you've spoken a yeah. lot about this and I always felt that that 10th of August 
yeah. deadline was almost meaningless, to be honest yeah. with you. I don't for one minute think that if Manchester United on the 11th of August or whenever came up with the fee, that Dortmund were going to say, well, no, that's it now, you've missed your yeah. chance. We know that there's a, a long way to go in the transfer window, so I expect it to rumble on. You mentioned earlier, you've got yeah. intermediaries, you've got these these agents that have got involved and that are doing it between between the clubs, which seems to be be more of a hindrance than a help at the minute. Yeah. It seems to be acting as sort of a, a bit of an obstacle. So it is rumbling on. You know, we as always yeah, we keep sort of checking the usual sources and the, the the reliable, the tier one sources, and everyone's pretty much on the same page saying that yeah, it's well, not over. Yeah, Paul Hurst will move on, but it's, it's kind of yeah, a strange one. Gets as, that as well. Strange one is it's mentioned how with Dortmund in the past it seems seem United and Dortmund have had um, really seamless records when it comes to dealings with each other. Yeah, Paul and, Hurst and we'll get yeah, to that. He did say yeah. that, didn't he? Said the clubs have a good relationship. Yeah. That the executives have a good relationship. Mkhitaryan, Mkhitaryan, Kagawa. Kagawa. There was no yeah. no dramas there really, no, no. but obviously this is a little bit different. And and this, those were big transfers, but yeah. this is you know, potentially, the yeah. biggest British transfer fee ever, or you know, yeah, around that figure. So we'll have to wait and see with that with that one, and it will rumble on unfortunately, but hopefully. It'll have a, the conclusion we all want, which is Jadon Sancho playing for Manchester United. What else have you got for yes, us? You've hopefully. been looking at the other yeah, ones looked, as well. Um, six hours ago, it was also mentioned by Romano, the guy that we are. Here we go. Here all, we go. Those three magic words. We've, we kind of, as United fans, obviously looking at what our rivals have been up to. Because it's, I know we've got to be focused on our own deals, but if our neighbours, well not... Well, obviously, hypothetical in terms of rivalry aspects. Rival. If the rivals, I get of, where you're coming from. In terms from. of like table, yeah, yeah. If the rivals, you like know, top four, top five, are strengthening, then strengthening. it, it does Is it surrounding? Obviously, it's gone a bit cold recently with the Havertz. This Havertz to Chelsea, yeah. Chelsea. which a few, yeah. well, even a few days ago looked like done deal. Like was, yeah, done deal, and it looked like it was done. It looked like it pretty much was definitively happening. Havertz seemed keen on it, um, and it looked like a deal like Chelsea and Leverkusen were going to be able to obviously see through but it kind of went plateaued and went completely cold and stale going into the Europa League game that they played yesterday but Romano's been actually on the report saying that now that Leverkusen were knocked out yesterday that the deal and talks will very much are back on now and it could come to quite a quicker conclusion than you think so it's one to keep an eye on with Havertz to Chelsea and we've been mentioning it week in week out with the fact that they've strengthened so much already after their transfer ban and then being alongside us and kind of uh strive back to the top they could look a bit more dangerous and that's why we need to i mean it does pay me a little bit react. to say that because you want to be going well what are, you know we're looking at city we're looking at teams above us liverpool unfortunately but we have to be realistic and i've yeah. always said that i think finishing third next season is going to be even more difficult because chelsea are going to strengthen a lot and we've seen that you know they've gone out already yeah. they've started buying players Werner and, and Zizic, yeah. the other lad, ZH. ZH, and now Havertz looks like it's another one happening so it is one, as always, to keep your eye on and just see where they're up to. And hopefully, from our point of view, it, it gives us, lot, our board, a little bit of a nudge and says, look, you know, yeah. you've, you've got to fix up and, and, and improve as well because the teams around us are all improving and, and we can't just, you know, rely on the team that we've had or the squad that we've had last season to carry us through next season. Um, any more for any more? Anything else? Are we interested in Liverpool? <laughs> They've signed someone, haven't they? The team we've just signed. Oh, I, I'm, I'm, the reason I'm born with one is I'm not going to try to pronounce his name properly. So yeah, I get in all sorts so, uh, of trouble when I try to pronounce his name. They've signed a man called Costas Tismikas. Well, I've never which heard is, of him. Which but that doesn't mean I'm not I've saying anything him, so because like, there's lots of players I've never heard of. It can't be that. 
relevant, but he's a. But they're in a different position though. They're in a different position towards... they? because they're just sort of augmenting the squad, adding yeah. to the squad, not really necessarily having to buy players that are going to come in to the first team. Yeah. Unlike Manchester United, and as we said earlier, we spoke to Paul Hurst about yeah. Jaden Sancho, about other United targets, and here's what he had to say. Paul, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm good, lads. I'm good. Listen, there's no point in beating around the bush. <laughs> the question that you know is coming and that everyone's asking about. Um, and obviously, you recently did an article at the time recording this where you said that United remain hopeful of signing Jaden Sancho. Just give us an update where, where you feel the deal is and, and how far the two parties are away from, from making it happen. It's surprising because I thought you were going to ask me about Phil Jones or something else <laughs> like that first. Uh, that's the real story, isn't it? Um, yeah, Jaden Sancho is, you know, it's the talk of the town, isn't it? It's the, you know, the biggest transfer of the summer and, you know, it's, it's heated up quite a lot recently, hasn't it? Last couple of weeks since the window opened, it's got, um, you know, the scrutiny on that deal has, has you know, intensified. And um, on Monday, um, but Dortmund came out and said, you know, very publicly, that's it, it's done. You know, Michael Zork was saying, um, Jaden Sancho will play for his next season. United have essentially missed their chance to, to sign him because of this deadline that they imposed. Um, but, you know, we learned after that that United still think that they will, you know, they still think they've got a chance of signing him. And they just see it as a kind of a part of the game, you know, this game of chess that's going on between United and Dortmund. You know, one side saying one thing, one side saying another. Um, but the upshot of it is that United still think they can get him. Um, and, you know, you can see their reasoning why. You know, there's, there's two months left of the transfer window yet. Um, uh, unfortunately for people like me, I have to write about it every day. Um, but it's, you know, so there's plenty of time to go yet. Um, so United see this as kind of a, a part of the, you know, the brinkmanship that goes on with, with big transfers like this. And do you think it's simply the fee or the nature of the fee? Or do you think it's just a bit of both in terms of like the way they're trying to structure the deal with the add-ons, etc., rather than just paying 120 mil straight up? Or do you think it's just a bit of both? I think it, I think it is a bit of both. I don't see, I don't think you'll find United spending, you know, 110 million, certainly not on one player in one lump. And you've got to remember that although they are, you know, very rich, very uh, cash, cash rich, if you look at the, you know, the, the books, etc. They're missing out on 75,000 people going through that gate every weekend, aren't they? So that's a lot of money that they're down at the moment. So, you know, it's, it's, COVID has had a, a big impact on United. So they won't, you know, put all that money down in one go for Sancho. I think they were hoping that installments would be the way forward, the add-ons, uh, etc. Um, so, and Dortmund obviously want more money up front. They, they've also been heavily impacted by COVID and you know as we found out yesterday as well he's actually Sancho's actually contracted till 2023 not 2022 so that makes him even puts him in an even stronger position Dortmund why, why should they sell him for you know for like 60 with another set 10 million in add-ons every six years it's just you know they, they won't do a deal like that they want more of the money up from um and United want to pay you know a, a decent amount of that 110 million or whatever in, in installments. How sort of determined do you feel Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is to get Sancho? I mean, I know he's not going to be sort of sat there as part of the negotiations, yeah. but I imagine he's made it pretty clear to United that, you know, he sees Sancho as a big part of the future plans. Yeah, he does. I mean, he loves him. And you can see why. I mean, his stats are ridiculous, aren't they, Sancho? And just the way that he plays, he plays on instinct. He's, he gets bums off seats. You know, he's a really thrilling attacking player. 
And Solskjaer also wants competition in that squad. You know, Mason Greenwood has been brilliant, hasn't he, in that right wing position. But, you know, if he gets injured or if he has a, a run of poor form, who have you got in backup? Um, you know, Daniel James, I think he scored one one league goal. He's, he's not scored a league goal since August last year. So that's, that's worrying um, for him. And if United want to take it to that next step, if they want to get up to challenging City and Liverpool, they need two two players, two strong players for each position. And also, I think if they sign Sancho, you've got more chance of putting Greenwood in down the middle as well, which is another area that United don't really have that much strength in, in reserve. So it's just about options, about competition for places. Just developing the, the depth of the squad as well is something that, that Ollie's keen on doing. It sort of leads me on to my next point, because you mentioned there Mason Greenwood, and some people may look at it and go, well, Greenwood's having such a great season and such a good end to the season that maybe you know it wouldn't be the end of the world if we don't get Sancho, but that's not the thinking. The thinking is Ollie wants competition, as you said. Yeah, absolutely. The, you know, the more competition for places, the, the better. And it's uh, flexibility as well. He can change the formation, you know. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see Martial and Greenwood as a two up front. You know, if 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 you end up did end up playing two up front, that would be a great combination for me with Sancho and Rashford coming off the wing. That is that's mouthwatering, isn't it? As a prospect, um, but yeah, I mean, Greenwood's only eighteen, isn't it? This is this is his breakthrough season. So at the end of the day, United are relying on a teenager to to drag him through, and you know, you don't know what young footballers. You know, you can't really map their career out. He's Greenwood is the most exciting player to come through that academy since Fergie retired. But you know, what's to say he you know pulls his hamstring and then it kind of you know uh, you know niggles it in for a few matches and then he has to have an operation and it drags on. It just it can happen, especially with the way that he is as, a, as an explosive player, um, and he might go through a dip of form as well. So they need strength in reserve, and at the moment they just don't have that. Have United been kind of identifying any alternatives to Sancho? Obviously, we've heard that there's a possibility we could be linked to Kingsley Coleman on loan. Do you think that's a, a, like a valid target or is that just simply a rumour? I think, I think he is someone that they've looked at, certainly. He's, he's a very good player, very exciting player. That's uh, one that Man City have looked at in the past as well. Um, and, you know, it'd be remiss of United not to have backup options, wouldn't it? They can't just go, I don't think it's Sancho or Bust. There are alternatives out there that they've looked at and they've made it clear that they will start looking at those players um, if if Sancho, if the deal drags on. Because this is another thing with the Sancho deal, that United are annoyed with the way that it has dragged on with the pace of negotiations. They don't like the fact that Dortmund have got um, Marco Licksteiner, um, Stefan Licksteiner's brother involved in the deal as well. He's, he's been assigned as a, a third party agent by Dortmund to do this deal. Um, when United would have preferred to do the deal directly with Dortmund, you know they've they've got actually quite a good relationship with Dortmund. They play each other quite a lot in in pre-season friendlies, and you know from what I hear, they they have you know these banquets they have before matches with the execs um, that they get on quite well with each other. Uh, the Mkhitaryan deal was quite straightforward to do as well in the end, so that that shows that there is a, a good relationship between the boards. So. But you know now they've got this uh, this other guy involved that they don't really know that well, so that's that's a bit of a bone of contention for United at the moment. And you know I think they would ideally like to deal directly with them. Sticking on the topic of transfers, how many players do you expect United to actually sign this summer? 
what are the areas that you think Oli wants to strengthen most? Obviously, we're talking about the right wing. Do you think there's any other areas in the pitch that United may look to strengthen as well? I think centre-half is, is kind of a big one, really. I think it's, it's more... I think people don't realise how, how much they need to strengthen in that position. I mean, I, I know there's, there is, what, seven centre-halves on the books, but you go through them and, you know, for me, Maguire's been excellent this season. Uh, been been fantastic. Lindelof, I'm not so sure about. He does have the odd bad game and his heading's not as good as it could be. And then, then you look at the reserves. Again, it comes down to competition for places. The strength in depth just isn't there, is it? By you know, he's, he's you know, he's definitely no one can doubt his passion, but he's injury prone, isn't he? Phil Jones is uh, injury prone as well. You know, he's not even out here in Cologne. He's he's injured. Um, Axel Twanzibi is a fantastic player, but we've not seen him at all this season due to injury. Um, and then who have you got? You know, Chris Smalling again had a great season on loan at Roma, but you know, he, he his passing's just not up to scratch, is it? If you compare it to the rest of the you know, if you compare it to Maguire, you look at how City play it out from the back. I mean, there's absolutely no nerves at all. Just bang, bang, bang. You know, they just, just ping it around. And I just can't see Smalling doing that. Um, then who have you got? Rojo, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's just not good enough, is he? Um, so he's, he's, he's really only got one, for me, he's only got one reliable centre-half in, in Maguire. So that's an area they need to, to um, strengthen. I think again, maybe a, a number ten is another one that they they're looking at. Because again, you you scratch beneath the surface, and who have you got? Your know, Lingard, Pereira. I mean, Juan Mata played brilliantly last night, but he's not going to play. He's not going to start forty matches for you, is he? Um, I think he's thirty-two. So that's that's another area that they they will strengthen if they can find you know a reasonable price and a reasonable target. Um, Paul, are United still doing the thing of of a take it of, of one um, transfer at a time? That seems to be the policy here, that they only do one deal at a time. We saw it last summer where it was James and Maguire, then then Wambasaka. Is that the policy? And do you feel that that is a hindrance at all? The fact that it's you know you're only looking at one deal or doing one negotiating one deal at a time. I think they are doing that, yeah. But I don't think that means that they're not talking to other people as well. You look at, you know, Matt Judge will be involved in doing this Sancho deal, but he does have people working under him as well who will be, you know, look at, you know, talking to agents and talking to, um, you know, other contacts to, uh, in the scouting department as well. So it's not just a case of, right, we've got to do, you know, one at a time. I think they will be, I know for a fact that they are talking to agents for the centre-halves as well. So it is, it's not just, he's not like laser, you know, focused on just doing one deal and then that's it. They, they will be looking at uh, others and talking to others at the same time. And they need to, don't they? Because, you know, the, the start of the season is only a few weeks away, isn't it? Ridiculously. Um, so he's got to kind of clear out this, this deadwood in the squad and bring in these, you know, two or three players um, to improve the squad in, in, in that time as well. So he's got his, his work cut out, definitely. Any idea who those centre-halves may be? Uh, they like Paul Torres, the guy, the young lad from Valencia, uh, sort of Valencia, Villarreal. Um, he's left-footed, um, can pass the ball very well. He's very, very calm on the ball. I think he's got a 55 million euro release clause in his contract, and that would be problematic for United. I think. I think they'd, they'd like to buy him for a little bit, uh, for, for they'd like him to be a little bit cheaper. Um, so yeah, you know, there's, there's still a chance that that deal could get done. I think that depends a lot on whether they can get rid of Smalling 
um, Jones and Rojo as well. You know, because that, that is, you know, if you do a deal, if you get rid of those players, just think of the, just the wages alone that you'd save, uh, the money you'd save from wages alone. Like Rojo's on 160 grand a week, I think, which is, you know, remarkable really. Um, and shows what how poor they've been in terms of dealing contracts in the past. Um, so yeah, if, if you know, sent half, you know, Torres, I think they they definitely stand more chance of getting him if they got rid of you know Small and Jones and Rocco. Yeah, you just basically mentioned and segue perfectly into the, the next question about United's Deadwood, and he basically suggesting that they need to get rid of him before they look at um, other options. But who do you actually see definitively leaving? Because you wrote recently about the fact that. United might actually not have that many buyers for the Deadwood that we've currently got in the squad, but who do you actually see being able to leave? Yeah, I, I think you would struggle to find a buyer for Phil Jones at the moment because he can't get fit and he's got a long contract. Um, Rojo, again, he's on 160 grand a week and you know he's, he's not played very well for you know consistently for a while. So I think they're probably going to struggle to get rid of those two. Um, Small, and I think he's more marketable, isn't he? I think he, he, I mean, he had a brilliant season at Roma. You know, that's I know I, I had to go at him a little bit earlier about his passing, but he's he's, he's a class centre half. If if you've got um, you know ten million for him, something like that, I think you know he's, he's not a bad he's not a bad sign, is he? So they need to get rid of those three, don't they? United traditionally haven't been very good at selling players. I remember talking to someone who's, who works with Jose Mourinho and he was saying during his time at United that was the one thing that annoyed him more than anything else, that they just couldn't get rid of players. You know, Darmian, <laughs> Darmian was in the departure lounge for about, you know, two and a half years, wasn't he, basically? Um, and they couldn't get rid of him um, until Oli came. So it's, yeah, the, you're looking at those three. I mean, for, for me, I don't, I've done this for a fact, but you look at the right-back situation and you think one of Fosu Mensah or Dallow's probably got to go as well. I mean, I, you know, Dallow's not... It's, it's, when he first came, he looked such a good player, but he's fallen off the radar completely this season, um, mainly due to injury, I think. Um, so that's, you know, Fosu Mensah's not really shown, you know, that he's top level... Um, over the last few games. So that's probably another area that they need to get rid of one of those two. I think Brandon Williams is probably a better right-back than he's a left-back as well, to be honest. Um, so he can shift over to that side. Um, but yeah, Chong probably got on loan as well. Um, um, and then, and then I'd, you know, they'd, they'd probably listen to uh, offers for Lingard as well, um, just because I think he's got one year left. And I, th- I think if anyone needs a fresh start from that squad, it's, it's Lingard, isn't it? You know, he just just looks a bit kind of lost at the moment, and he didn't didn't come on last night until very late in the match, which kind of showed you where he is in the pecking order. Um, so I think that they would listen to offers for him as well. Will United demand decent money for these players, or is it just a case of getting them off the books? I, th- I think they will demand fees for him, but I, I, they've got to be realistic, haven't they? In, in this this climate, no no one's going to pay. 20 million for Marcus Rojo, are they? No one's going to pay you know, 30 million, 40 million for, for Jesse Lingard. Um, so I think they will be more inclined to do cheaper deals but um, than, they, than they would do normally just because of the, the pandemic. Um, but again, the, I think the main issue is not the fee, it's, it's the wages. It's, you, know, I, I, you look at some clubs in the Premier League, they're, they're top earners, their star players won't be earning as much as Rojo is. So... I think you'll find a situation where United will have to actually continue paying 
some of these players, even though they get them off the books. Yeah, definitely. Um, just a couple more questions, Paul. I just wanted to ask you a little bit about directs of football because this is a story that it pops up every sort of almost every summer. We hear that United are after a director of football. We saw it last summer with names like Rio Ferdinand, Darren Fletcher, and Patrice Evra being linked with the job, and then it goes quiet again. Um, what's the latest with that? Do you, do you get any feeling that United are still in the hunt for a director of football? I don't think so, no. I think it's gone, like you say, it's gone cold a little bit recently. I think it was sort of the start of 2019, not so long after Ollie came in, um, that, he, that Woodward started talking to people. He had like informal chats with Darren Fletcher and, and Rio Ferdinand, but nothing came of it. I think from what I hear, the people that, that were spoken to about that position, it was, they came away thinking like they didn't really understand what, what Woodward was after, you know, what, what kind of role that, that, that person would be. And it was all just a bit vague, basically. Um, so I don't, I, I don't think it'll happen partly because they're, they're quite happy with the system they've got. You know, Ollie goes to the scouting team, says, look, I need, a, for example, a right winger. They'll come up with sort of like 50 targets from their database. Then sort of Marcel Boot and Jim Laurel and other like senior scouts will will they down to 10. And then and then they kind of they go from there, really. The recruitment team have a, a veto. The manager has a veto um, on the recommended players and then negotiations start. So, I mean, I don't really know what, where does a technical director fit into that? Do you know what I mean? They've, they're all, as long as they're all singing from the same hymn sheet, which they, which they appear to be, you know, they all want these attacking, young, hungry players um, in the team. That they, they're, the, they're the targets. Um, so as long as they, you know, they all want those. And I don't, I don't really see what, what difference a, a technical director would do. Um, it, it's in danger. If they were to appoint someone, it, it, they'd be in danger of just becoming like a, a glorified ambassador, um, which is not what you know a, a technical director would want to do himself. And it's not what the it'd just be a, a waste of time and money for the club. I think that more or less asks what I was going to ask you whether it make much of a difference. But you've answered that in case you know in the, the sense that you feel it'd be a more of a sort of figurehead or a, an ambassadorial role than an actual hands-on technical director. Paul, it's yeah. been uh, it's been great chatting to you. I really appreciate that. And you obviously you're over there in uh, in Germany as well, watching United. And what, just quickly, what did you make of it so far? What did you make of it last night? It was it was a long 120 minutes, wasn't it? <laughs> it was kind of uh, not just because it was hot. I mean, in God, it was sweltering. Um, but that's you know first world problems and all that. Um, it's yeah, it was it was a hard fought match. I mean, the the, the Copenhagen keeper had, had an absolute world. He didn't. He played really well. And they, they they seemed a bit more up for it than United. I don't I don't know whether United are kind of tailing off towards the end of the season or whether it was the heat, but he just he, they were kind of you know five six out of ten. But but they got the win, and then you know who they're still obviously two two wins away from lifting uh, their first trophy under Ollie. So I think they'll be they'll be more accustomed to the heat when the semi-finals come around, and they'll be be more up for it as well. So they've still got a decent chance of winning it. Good stuff. Paul, thanks a lot for chatting to us. Thanks, guys. Cheers. 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 So, lots of things there from Paul Hurst. He's really good, actually, wasn't he? He was great man. pretty... Uh, oh, yeah, great man. Yeah. <laughs> a great man. No, in, 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 which, in, in both ways, great comma man. All oh, right, sorry, and great man. I thought you meant he great, was a great man. Great um, comma man. Yeah, no, he was. Uh, he obviously yeah. knew a lot of what he was talking about there. He was saying about Sancho. We sort of know where we're up to with that. Yeah. You know, the... the 
Dortmund would sell him, United want him, he would come. Again, though, it's as we've spoken about, there's, there's agents involved and there's, there's that sort of intrigue there that, that could be holding the deal up a little bit. But Ole Gunnar Solskjaer definitely wants Jadon Sancho. United want him, United fans want him. So we'll just have to wait and see where that yeah, goes. Like, Go on. So with the Sancho deal, obviously, as he mentioned, his contract is in 2023. So. so that was like a new thing almost, because yeah, yeah. everyone was saying 2022, weren't they? Yeah. And then when Zor came out, we, yeah. Yeah, says, I think it was on Monday, and he said, because at first he said he signed a new deal, and everyone was like, oh, he signed a new deal, having a meltdown. But he'd signed that last summer to bring him up to, I think, June 2023, which you know, basically means Dortmund aren't desperate because he's got three years left in his contract. Yeah. Which so we, it, there's literally no pressure for Dortmund to sell him. And we, it's not like we have a disgruntled player that wants to leave. No. I know there's been kind of... Well, there's been the suggestions air, that he might put a transfer request in, but I don't know how solid now, those rumours are. As of now, he's not come out and said, I want to leave, I want to go United. It's not. So he's just he's just sitting around waiting to see what happens and there's no real pressure for him to sell him. And if there's rumours that if they wait until next season, then it diminishes his value. But Because obviously his value is going to be higher in terms of transferring because of the fact he's got so many years left on his contract anyway. But um, one of the issues, if you leave it until next season, is that next season it may become a thing. Um, a bidding war then? With, yeah, yeah, that's what it's... I mean, is, is someone else going to come in? You know, yeah. I mean, that, that can go either way, though, because from Dortmund's point of view, they can look at it and go, well, if we do wait, next season, United might turn their attention somewhere else. We might not have someone who's willing yeah. to pay £100 million yeah. because the market's so volatile with, obviously, coronavirus and the pandemic. Yeah. You know, the clubs aren't... Crowds aren't back in the, in the ground yet. And United may look at it and go, well, if we do wait... As you say, someone else could come in. So it's brinkmanship. We keep saying, and, yeah. and and you know, it's a word that's used a lot. But it does seem that both saw, United and, and Dortmund are digging the reels a little bit. Um, timely post on Twitter I, last night. I did see that. A little bit of propaganda. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't really mind a bit of that. So it's all you know. I, I get it. He's still there playing. They want yeah. to rub it in a little bit. Fair enough. And yeah. I, I won't care about it as long as we get him. Um, another lad that you mentioned there, moving away from Sancho, if we were allowed to. Uh, was he mentioned the young lad Torres, um, Paul Torres, the Villarreal defender? That that was a new one for me. I don't, I'm not. I, don't, I didn't know that United were in for him, but uh, United have been li I've, I've been linked to him quite. Right, quite well, it's just now. me missing out there. Yeah, no, quite, not not doing my research uh, well enough. That's practically. Um, obviously, we heard recently about the Gabriel, but there was interest in Paul Torres as well. And the reason why they were interested in the likes of Gabriel and Paul Torres is because there's been it's been quite obvious. United's backline and centre half pairings is that there's sometimes there could be a lack of um, athleticism there, a little bit of speed, a little bit of pace, a little bit of agility. You've got Maguire and Lindelof to kind of. I know you said like last week that. What does Maguire turn like? <laughs> I said it on camera like a tanker in a canal yeah, yeah, or something. I can't remember what it was yet. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't want to be too harsh on Harry Maguire because he's not that type of player. He's brought yeah, in to do a job. Why, yeah, and he's doing the job that he was brought in to they're do. Saying that if you bring in if we bring in a centre back that offers a little bit different from the other two. Yeah. Then you've got a sort of balance and that's what Paul Torres brings because he's 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 quite um he's known for being quite quick. He's obviously good on the ball, he's got that Spanish comfortability on the ball as well. But he's also a very quick man with statistically I remember seeing that he clocked a quicker sprint speed last season than the likes of Vinicius Junior, um, Lionel Messi, Griezmann, and um, there was one more attacking player actually. I think Rodrigo as well. 
So he can shift. So he can shift for a look for a big guy. Sounds like the Sounds ideal like the ideal man. Compliment to, to Harry Maguire because as yeah. Paul Hurst sort of <laughs> he went through all our defenders yeah. there, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, he named yeah. them all one by yeah. one yeah. and sort of made, gave gave his reasons why United can't necessarily rely on them. You know, I don't need to repeat what he says, but we know the issues you've got with by his injuries. Lindelof can have the odd game where you question and the other defenders who aren't really in the mix and we're a little bit away from the likes of Tenemengi or Axel, we don't yeah. know what's happening with him as well. So, you know, it makes sense that we're being linked with yeah. someone like Torres, obviously, as you said, a very talented um, and quick young player. So we'll have to keep an eye on that one. As always, we will be giving you updates yeah. on Stretford Paddock. We'll also have more guests lined up for the Tier 1 Transfer podcast. That's been Ronaldo Brown. I've been Jay. This has been Stretford Paddock. Don't forget to hit like, share and subscribe. Thanks for watching. Sports Social Podcast Network. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.